Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome to a very long-awaited episode in my ongoing quest to cover every version of Alice in Wonderland. Today we are talking about Tim Burton's 2010 attempt at adapting the story. Before we begin, I want to give a shout out to the amazing Simone Fole. If you're watching the YouTube version, she's the artist behind our awesome Alice avatars. Today I'm joined by Katie and Jenna, aka Phantomwise, and when I knew they were going to be doing the live-action Disney versions with me, I had to have Simone come up with some avatars for us, and they turned out amazing. She even gave me the Hatter's actual makeup. Now this episode is kind of a milestone in a way, in that we are talking about the movie that is probably, quite literally... <laughs> The reason that this show exists. Because back when I started on YouTube, my friend Rachel Wagner suggested that I review this movie because I actually like it and she doesn't and she wanted to know why. And I thought that was a great idea and I also thought it would be fun to review the few other Alice adaptations I knew were out there. I thought it would make for a fun mini-series and give me a few weeks of content. Well, here I am, five years later, and what started as Wonderland Wednesday has expanded into the podcast every version ever, and I still have a lot of versions of Alice left to cover. Oh, hey, Jonathan from two days after he recorded the previous intro here. I finished this episode, I got it completely uploaded and scheduled, ready to go, and not just uploaded here, this episode was supposed to go live simultaneously on iHeartMovies, every version ever, and on both corresponding YouTube channels. So I had it uploaded and scheduled in four separate places, and then for some reason, tonight, a few hours before I had them all scheduled to go live at midnight, on a whim I decided to just update my podcast spreadsheets where I keep track of how many episodes I've done on each podcast. I hadn't updated them in a few months, so I figured I should do that and not let myself get too far behind. So I tallied up each individual podcast and discovered that I'm closing in on a couple milestones and figured I should make a note on that so I can hopefully remember when I get there, and then I put all the episodes into the big spreadsheet where I keep track of all the podcasts, and I discovered that this episode, right here, is episode 200. Not episode 200 of this specific podcast, but over the course of my now three podcasts, I have done 200 podcast episodes. And that's not counting any repeats, where like, I reviewed a version of Alice in Wonderland on one podcast, and then later reused it with a new intro on a later podcast. No, I have done 200 completely unique podcast episodes, which doesn't even seem real, but it is. It's actually very fitting that this episode is 200 because, like I mentioned in the original intro, this movie is basically the reason that this podcast exists. If Rachel hadn't suggested I review this movie, I probably wouldn't have started reviewing versions of Alice in Wonderland for Wonderland Wednesday, which wouldn't have given me the idea to do the same thing for versions of A Christmas Carol, and then later The Secret Garden, and if I hadn't kept doing so many reviews, I may not have realized that I actually preferred talking to other people about these movies, and decided to change my focus to podcasting, which is what you're listening to right now. So even though this episode was ready to go in four different places, I decided to pull it and probably delay it so that I could amend this intro because I felt like this new milestone needed to be acknowledged. My previous milestones have gone by unnoticed, which is one of the reasons why I decided to put together the spreadsheets in the first place. And with this, of all movies being episode 200, I decided I had to delay it so I could add this intro. And it is rather fitting that I have the guests that I do for episode 200. Katie has been here since before I was podcasting. She was one of my earliest guests, and fittingly, one of her first proper podcast episodes with me was talking about another Disney live-action reimagining, The Sorcerer's Apprentice. So I'm glad she ended up being here for episode 200, talking about another Disney live-action reimagined film. 
And then Jenna, who hasn't been around in person quite as long, but has literally been here since the beginning of Wonderland Wednesday, when her blog as PhantomWise was my go-to source for discovering new versions of Alice in Wonderland I'd never heard of. Now, even though she's not a big fan of this movie, I'm really glad she was here to talk about it with me, because even though we have completely different opinions, we still had a lot of fun, and this episode was a lot of fun to do. Okay, I think I have stretched this intro out enough. Thank you to Katie and Jenna for joining me for episode 200, even though we didn't know it at the time. Next week, we'll be back to talk about the sequel, Alice Through the Looking Glass. But for now, let's just get into Tim Burton's take on Alice in Wonderland. Well, I guess before we start talking about the movie, let's talk general feelings about the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'll start. Um, I like this movie, but it is not a good adaptation of Alice in Wonderland. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty fair. And I like it more for the aesthetics than I do the story. (laughs) Okay, that makes sense, too. (laughs) What about you, Katie? Uh, Yeah, I pretty much agree with you on that. I haven't seen this movie in a while, and I didn't remember how like dreary the backgrounds were because everyone remembers <laughs> this as like the bright, colorful Alice in Wonderland, and then I was like, "Oh, it's a lot more grayscale than I remembered." It is. I had kind of forgotten that too. Really, is that what people remember it by? I, I'm, I know Burton. I, I know this Alice for being very dark. Um, I feel like the sequel is much lighter. The sequel is probably where most people are remembering that from because i think the sequel is what i've watched most recently yeah so i was thinking a little more like i was thinking it should be a little bit more colorful than it was Mm -hmm. it was uh, like i mean it's a war-torn countryside i guess so that's the point of this one (laughs) (laughs) but it's wonderland well Uh, it's underland (laughs) underland Uh, uh, um so my own feelings is I don't like this movie. <laughs> not even as a movie, which, uh, but I'll try not to be too too hard on it. I'll try to be fair. I, I don't know why, but for some reason I thought that you kind of liked this movie. Is there? Oh no. Okay. I I guess I, I must. Have I like the sequel been... a little better. Is that what you're thinking of? Maybe it could be because, like, I always hear that the sequel is like terrible so maybe the fact that you liked that is what stuck in my head (laughs) or liked it better well i I think compared to a lot of other alice adaptation people or alice fans carolinians carolians oh my gosh i can't talk um i probably am much more fair to it than other people are um yeah definitely (laughs) yeah that's probably why i was thinking that you liked it because I mean, the things that I've seen you post about it are more favorable than I've seen other people post yeah, about it. it. It's either, in a lot of Alice fandom spaces, or at least when I used to be in them back on the Tumblr days, it was very much <laughs> your, you love this movie or you hate it, and there's no in-between. I am firmly on the hate it camp, but I had a lot of followers who liked it, and it got them into Alice Wonderland, and I was like, I can appreciate that it brought Alice to you. So it's I was kind to it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I But to be honest, I really don't like this movie. Like, I stopped taking notes halfway through because I was like, I'm just writing everything I hate and um, <laughs> downing down myself. So I, I stopped taking notes. 
I, <laughs> it's like, uh, but me, genuinely though, I really actually do love when do people do original things with Alice because I feel like, yes, that's not the point of the book is to be a nonsense, you know, road trip kind of journey thing. It's, mm-hmm. you know, there is no overarching story. And you could argue when people try to put an overarching story, they're missing the point, which is true. They are. But at the same time, I kind of like the creativity that affords. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I will like a lot of adaptations that I think, um, quote unquote, adaptations more like inspired by Alice, mm-hmm. um, where they take like the motifs and the characters and do something new with them. So I, I will like that. But, you know, I don't like every single thing, like every <laughs> single version of that. And uh, for me, that, that this hits the wrong spot of, I feel like Burton doesn't even like Alice. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And yeah. I like, I agree. It's not like amazing or anything, but just watching it, I just really, like I said, I like the aesthetics. I really like the music, like the opening music. I love, I love Danny Elfman's score and oh, the no, Alice music. You don't? Oh, I do. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things about the movie is the score. Really, I think it's a. I um, I have a friend who really loves Danny Elfman, but I just I, I feel like he's been phoning it in for years with the movie soundtracks, and they all just sound. <laughs> they all, especially Burton movies, they all just have this like similar sound that it starts. They not they do, but I like that. <laughs> and I I was making the joke because I watched it with my friend um, in preparation with for this, and I was making the joke, you know, and then you have the singers that go Alice. And I was like, uh-huh. you know what? I bet I bet someone was like, this doesn't sound very much different from your other works. It doesn't sound specifically <laughs> Alice. And he's like, well, I'm going to make the singer sing Alice, okay? And I can see that. You. <laughs> I can see that. That's a fair criticism, but I, like I said, I like that, so it's just, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, a lot of uh, the target audience, a lot of people do. They, do, they still do like the music, so I understand. Mm-hmm. I will say that there was a part during the musical score where I'm like, wait, that just sounds like that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Music. That's what I was thinking through the whole thing. I was like, this this sounds like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but I'm okay see, with that's, that. See, that's where I'm like, this that's not a good thing. <laughs> I th- a really good movie score, I feel like, at least for me, when I hear like a piece of music from a movie and, you know, like I'm just hearing the music, I'm like, oh yeah, I love that scene. You know, yeah. like, it takes me into the movie. And I, I don't know. I just don't feel that for, for Alice, for Danny Elfman's Alice. Yeah, that's true. The The music, none of it really identifies the scene that it's from. It's more just like the themes and may, the opening music mostly is what I really remember and really like. Yeah, I only remember the opening music because of the Alice. And I, I just think <laughs> yeah. it's a scary, <laughs> silly thing for them to sing. <laughs> I mean, if you really think about it, it is, but I still like it. <laughs> All right. As long as, as long as they're aware, it's silly. You're cool. <laughs> but yeah, that was my first note, actually. Don't like music. Well, my first note was that I did like the music. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Katie? I don't remember the music, so. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I acknowledge not all films can have like a a score, like a unique score that, you know, mm-hmm. not all films could be like Back to the Future or James Bond, you know, that when you hear a theme and you're like instantly, yes, I love this movie. Like, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to do that. At least uh, I can differentiate it from the other Alice movies. I can do that. 
There you go. I found a positive. <laughs> yeah, it is a unique sound for an Alice movie. Not, there you not go. necessarily a Burton movie or a Danny Elfman score, but for if you're just talking about Alice's, you definitely know which one you're listening to. Yeah, yes. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> My next note is Dad is based off Lewis Carroll, but he's a businessman. I wondered. So. Yeah, it's um, Kingsley. I think uh, the last name Kingsley might come from one of Charles Dodson's friends. Okay. What's his name? Charles Kingsley? Yeah. I think he wrote The Water Babies. Anyway, so he was friends with him, uh, with somebody with that surname. So um, I know Linda Wolverton, the scriptwriter, did some research, so, but I'm not sure if that's where she got it from or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a strange thing to do, but I, I can get that she didn't want to name, name Alice, Alice Carroll or Alice Dotson. Dotson just doesn't sound very whimsical, to be honest. <laughs> and then Carol's like a little too on the nose, so I get that. But her dad's definitely like inspired by um, Charles Dodson or Lewis Carroll. And um uh, gonna be real, I hate the bonkers line, but I, I get what they were trying to do. <laughs> I love that <laughs> I, line. I hate it so much. <laughs> it's so dumb sounding. Well, it's I, I guess part of the reason I don't like it is because people think it's actually a line from the book. That is something that kind of annoys me. And they also attribute yeah. it to the Mad Hatter and it's not, it's her father and then her later on in the movie. But I've yeah. seen like memes on Facebook, like inspirational quote pages will post it and then attribute it to the Mad Hatter. And I'm like, did you even watch the movie? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's also like, I guess it's because Alice uh, spoilers, uh, though. I, I guess you wouldn't be watching this if you haven't seen the movie already. Alice says it to the Mad Hatter later. Uh, but that's still pretty weird that they would attribute it to him. Mm-hmm. I wonder if part of that, there was also a trailer where he's, uh, they have Johnny Depp say something that wasn't in the movie at all. Oh, it could be. Sometimes they do change things for trailers. Yeah. Um, something about you need to be as mad as a hatter to survive in this world. It's like this whole little monologue. Oh, I do like, remember much- that. Yeah, but it's not in the movie. Um, so I wonder if it's like a weird uh, combination of things where they're like, they're remembering this trailer. Mm-hmm. and they're like oh you said something about being mad so it must have been him i don't know i don't know if that's the what's going on here something like that yeah yeah but anyway i don't like the line just because firstly for me i know lewis carl's writing style i guess um so for me i'm like that's not from the book at all and i could tell you right away like first time i heard it though in the theater i was like well that's cute it's okay and then it just start, started grinding on me <laughs> <laughs> the years went on. <laughs> I was like, ah, bonkers, please stop. But I, I appreciate that the scriptwriter is kind of doing a tribute to Lewis Carroll here, even if I don't agree with how he would have worded that. And I, I can appreciate that. I can say that. Mm-hmm. It felt like it needed like a second writing pass. Oh, thank like, you. That was, yeah. That was like the that was the first draft, and you're like, I see what you're going for. But, like, let's do a few more ideas <laughs> right. and takes on making it sound a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like someone just pulled out a thesaurus and was like, what's other words for crazy? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know. There's just something about the word for particular bonkers that just doesn't sit right with me. I'm, for, for some reason, I'm like, that feels like it doesn't belong. But I... I don't know about the history of bonkers if that would have been something they would have said. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like bonkers feels a little a- anachronistic to me, but it, it probably is. There's a lot of 
things that you could probably say are anachronistic in the movie. I mean, it's very common in movies, I think. I don't know. But part of me is just like, Lewis Carroll wouldn't have written He never used Bonkers. Yeah, no, anything. I don't think so either. Like, I, yeah. I like the line, but I'm, I don't think it would fit in the book at all. I like the sentiment. Yes. Though at the same time, it wouldn't have fit in the book because he wasn't like, you're mad. That's a mm-hmm. good thing. Yeah, no. Um, the cat trying to tell Alice she's mad is more like, isn't this ridiculous? Because you're not mad, you know? Like, it's not meant to be a, you're mad and that's a good thing. So it's, I guess that's it. I'm just like, ugh. Um, <laughs> I do think it could have been written a little bit better. And uh, what's our next note? Uh, I wrote, little Alice looks very sickly. <laughs> she did, kind of. <laughs> she looked like a ghost. She looked like she was going to die of, like, tuberculosis or something. <laughs> <laughs> some old timey disease <laughs> yeah it's just, just like I need to be put in the asylum papa <laughs> and having this dream over and over the, the, the other thing I don't know another thing about the scene that does kind of grind my gears is she sounds like this dream is haunting her yeah that is one thing that kind of annoyed me was that the way that Wonderland is described well I mean it kind of is nightmarish in a way but it's mm. not a pleasant thing. Yeah, or at least like the re- repetition of it isn't pleasant. Mm-hmm. And then it's been like later when she's an adult, it's implied that she's still having this dream, yes. right? In the carriage. Yeah. But yet when she gets to Underland, she doesn't remember a, a single thing. Yeah, that's true. So I'm like, I'm confused. Is she supposed to be dreaming this her whole life or not? Well, she could be like me, and I know that I have dreams, but I don't remember anything that happens in them. <laughs> mm, I guess. I don't know. just seems a bit odd. Yeah. All right. Well, in the carriage, I said, why is mom checking her dress in the carriage on the way there? <laughs> That's <laughs> probably a good point. She should have thought about a, that before. My, this was my problem. I was writing nitpicks of little things that annoyed me. But yeah, I was like, logically, you would if you know your daughter goes without stockings, wouldn't you check before getting in the carriage? <laughs> I did um, like her line that she's against stockings. <laughs> I don't know why that cracked me up. <laughs> what's wrong with stockings? I, I thought, wait, isn't she against corsets or something? Probably, but she said specifically that she was against stockings. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't see what's wrong with stockings. They're just socks. Maybe she gets hot legs. <laughs> maybe I guess. Um, but maybe maybe she, maybe she has a, like a skin sensitivity. Could be. I could be like that sometimes. Uh, I also thought it hilarious that her mom couldn't tell she was wearing a corset until like leaning over and feeling her. And it's like <laughs> if only all of us had the corset shape without wearing a corset. And <laughs> do you guys like her first costume? Yeah, pretty. It's not like amazing, but I think it's it's one of those things where I think it's kind of anachronistic. I don't think that they actually oh, would have dressed yeah. like that. But I I liked the aesthetic, like with most of the things in the movie. It's a very pretty shade of blue. Uh like you said, it is anachronistic. And that's part of why I think well, they make her really stand out in the party. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's wearing these blander colors and there's also color filtering. And everyone's wearing like white or beige, or but she's the only one wearing blue. Yeah. Um, actually, I think Margaret's wearing blue now that I think about it. She's also like the only one showing her ankles. 
Which, I'm like, how old is she supposed to be? I actually don't remember the anniversary age. I think she's 19 because she's credited as six-year-old Alice in the first scene. And Mm. then I think this scene is supposed to be 13 years later. Okay, yeah. I think she's 19. Yeah, I think Margaret also says uh, you're almost 20. Oh, okay. So her her skirt should be down to the floor. Because that would have been like teenager... It would be showing the ankles. She was like the only one showing her ankles. I don't know. <laughs> she probably was against ankle length skirts. <laughs> probably. Fair enough. I, I don't like them either. Okay, so the very strange thing about the party, I feel like, is you got the characters that are mimicking things in Wonderland, right? Mm-hmm. So you got like the Tweedles, which actually I feel like grilled Tweedles would actually be really interesting. Mm-hmm. But they don't do anything with that. You got the actress mimicking the queen, which actually I like her better than Helen Bonham Carter. So I would have. <laughs> I she kind of would have been a really good queen. She would have been yeah. a great queen. She was really kind of awful. Like before, I remembered who she was and what the point of her was. I just wrote in my notes that she was some old shrew. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, she has that kind of like strict approach that I think the queen. I, I she feels very book queen to me. I would have liked that in the rest of the mm-hmm. movie. So it feels like a little tease. Like, you could have this, but it's not going to be this. And obviously, there's, there's a lot of things going on, like the caterpillar, Alice sees a rabbit. But I don't know. It just feels very strange because it doesn't really go anywhere to me. I don't know. Thoughts? I think it's, well, I think it's like most of the movie where it's more just nods towards the book rather than actually being the book itself. Mm. It's just more, I don't know more of a nod than the others because the others are like actually supposed to be the characters from the books even though they're not really the characters from the books Mm. that's it's like kind of like what's the point i don't know kind of yeah i think it was just supposed to be clever also what was the point of the crazy lady i i didn't get her thing i don't i don't know what her point was other (laughs) than to be somebody who you don't want to end up like her yeah because when I was rewatching it, I was like, oh, I re- thought I remembered her like sitting down with uh, the crazy aunt and being like, oh, yeah, we're the crazy weirdos together. But then it was at the end. I was like, oh, never mind. I guess I made that all <laughs> up in my head. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like, I'm confused because this movie seems to imply that you don't want to be like her. But at the same time, is that not what Alice is going to end up doing? Not, you know, going against what uh, society expects of her and believing in fantasy so i'm i don't know i was very confused and at the end she's like you should get these delusions checked so i was like (laughs) what makes her different from you (laughs) i don't think alice is going to end up like her however the fact that she talked like you should get the delusions checked out was like that kind of goes against the whole thing about like all the best people are actually mad (laughs) yeah it's i I just don't get the point of this character at all I didn't either. If there was a point, I don't think the movie communicated it. So I was curious whether you guys saw anything in it. No, I have I have no idea what they were going for with the character. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like I haven't seen anybody say that, that they get it. So but I don't know. It kind of just felt like it was thrown in there for laughs or something. But at the same time, it didn't seem very funny. Yeah. yeah. It's like being mad is the best thing ever. Unless you're that lady. (laughs) (laughs) In which case, it's sad and you don't want to be like her. 
I, I guess maybe the difference is like Alice does actually end up doing something. Yeah. For her father's business where she's not doing anything. She's literally waiting. No. Mm-hmm. For something that's never going to happen. So maybe that's it. Maybe Alice should have, instead of said, get your delusions checked out, she should have been like, you need, there is no prince. You need to go, you know, take the initiative or something. Get a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, find find purpose, or you know, she could have said that more inspirationally. Yes. Uh, you know, find something to fill your life with purpose. Says, check your delusions because your delusions <laughs> are delusions. Mine are real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's okay because I'm gonna be a businesswoman. Uh, anything else about the party scene? I just I thought it was amusing the way that after she's hauled away by Hamish's mother and talking about how she needs to make sure she fixes him the right foods because he could get a blockage. (laughs) That whole thing. (laughs) Hamish was, like, hilariously stupid. (laughs) Like, like I did not really like the character, but I liked things around his character. (laughs) Honestly, I don't know why, but he kind of reminded me, like, if everyone's supposed to be like another character from Wonderland, it kind of he kind of felt like a rabbit to me. I could I could see that. Yeah, he feels kind of rabbity. Like we need to do this a certain way. You know, everyone's we're expected to do it this way. Literally, we're getting painted while, while I propose to you, and it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I I don't think that was on purpose. I don't know, just my own interpretation, I guess. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I said, I don't think he's a very good character, but I don't think that was the point. I don't think he was supposed to be a good character. I think he was just supposed to be an annoying... Suitor. Yeah. (laughs) Like somebody who you obviously don't want to marry, but apparently you have to because he's a lord and you couldn't do better than a lord. I thought you were going to say because he's a redhead. (laughs) (laughs) No. I mean, I do like red hair. (laughs) It's weird. He had red hair and no one else did. You're like, where'd that come from? That is kind of weird. I'm like, is the indication here supposed to be like he he's ugly or something? Because he has red hair. Tim Burton. (laughs) Well, now that you say that, his mother did say to Alice that her biggest fear was having ugly grandchildren. So maybe she thinks that her son is hideous, and she's afraid that her grandkids are going to be as ugly as her son. (laughs) Well, that's sad because I actually I I think the actor looks pretty good. I'd be. I'd be into him if he wasn't that character. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't think that he himself was unattractive. I think it was the way he was acting. Yeah. Like the way he held himself, the faces that he made. Yeah. That's what made him unattractive. Yeah. And then blowing his nose into a handkerchief and opening it to look at it. <laughs> hey, that could be, maybe that's very good health-wise. He's got a medical condition or something <laughs> i just thought that scene was hilarious when her sister says who then you won't do better than a lord and then look off to him blowing his nose <laughs> lords are just like us they blow their nose and look at the snot too <laughs> anyway are you ready to move on from the party or anything else well I one other thing because it comes up uh. again at the end she finds her sister's husband making out with somebody, which I thought was weird. And yeah, oh yeah, it's weird because it doesn't really do anything with that. Exactly. Like I, I assumed like because it's been a long time since I forgot since I've seen the movie. I forgot how that all played out. I assumed that by the end she was going to be telling her sister 
what she saw. But at the end, she just basically blackmails him and says, you take care of my sister. I'm watching you. I'm watching you and then leaves on a boat. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I didn't even think of that. (laughs) Yeah, she's not even there to watch him. She's like, I got all the caterpillars on my side. Watch out. (laughs) They're going to report back to me. No, yeah, I just, I didn't like that because, like, I would have told her immediately, like, uh, you need to check on your husband. He's cheating on you. Get rid of him. I feel like historically it would have been a very difficult situation because yeah, you didn't want to divorce. But at the same time, it's like, why even bring it into the movie then? If you're not yeah. going to do anything it, with That's it. why I said it was a weird scene. Yeah. I don't know what it was supposed to add to the plot at all. Maybe her brother-in-law was supposed to be like the human world equivalent of the knave. I think so. Because the knave was kind of that way as well. Yeah. But if that's the case, then she really should have told her sister with how that played out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot to note that. But yeah, the whole at the garden party, he proposes. She doesn't know what to say and just runs away, chases the white rabbit ends up going down the hole. I love this rabbit hole. This is the part of the movie I really like. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to I thought you were going to say you hated the rabbit hole. <laughs> oh no, I love it. I mean, it's I guess in a way it's not like that accurate to the book because the That's book's like she's falling like slowly. It. No, actually I'm like, yeah, give me the fast rabbit hole. She's falling. I like the props in there. I like the piano. Yeah, well, I think that it's kind of weird that piano plays by itself for some reason and is just like threatening her for some reason that's kind of weird um <laughs> but i i like i like how she bounces off the bed i so I, I really like this rabbit hole a lot i really like at the end when she hits the ceiling and she's upside down and then she falls off the ceiling when she notices that she's upside down yeah that's really nice i i also like just the you know she falls onto the ceiling but then the rabbit hole's not there anymore uh it's very well done Mm-hmm. Um, it's very clever. I like it. This is the part of the movie where I was like, "Oh, my hopes are up." <laughs> Going on to the hall doors, I love the hall doors too. <laughs> I like how cramped it feels. I will say, I hate the the color palette. It's very dirty. It's you start to see the color palette for the whole film here, kind of like this dirty, dark murkiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like that, but I like the set and. Um, I like the effects. Like I like that she, when she shrinks, she gets out of her clothes. Mm-hmm. I will say it's kind of weird. Don't get me wrong; it is weird, especially that she has a. She just kind of rips a bit off her dress, supposedly. I guess was it supposed to be like a slip? No, she wouldn't have worn a slip like that under her dress. Okay, so it was just like the lining of the dress. I, I think the idea is that she ripped off some of the fabric in the dress. While she was shrinking? I don't know. And then for some reason, she puts her gloves on her feet. Oh, is that what she did? Yeah, that's what it looks like. It looks like she's wearing <laughs> her gloves. You're probably right. I didn't really even think about what she had on her feet. Yeah, it's... Um, but then when she grows big, she's shrinking the fabric to like a mini dress. Well, um, the, I figured the reason I was thinking it was a slip was because it seemed like it was some kind of I don't even know if they had elastic, but it seemed like some kind of an elastic undergarment. Oh, that wouldn't have been a thing at the time. 
Yeah, probably not. But that's what I assumed that it was because it was really baggy when she was small and then it was really tight when she was huge, but it didn't rip. So yeah. I assumed it was some sort of elastic thing, but you're right. It probably wouldn't have been a thing. Well, actually, sorry, there was elastic, but it wasn't, it was not used like that yet. It was kind of like a thing in development, I guess. Mm, okay. I don't know. It's hard to describe. Like, I know there was elastic in like boots. I don't know if the whole slip would have been made of elastic yet, though. I don't know. Maybe I'll, we'll have someone in the comments telling me I'm wrong. <laughs> um, I associate that more with, like, turn of the century, like, 20s. Mm. But then again, she doesn't believe in corsets, so maybe she's like, I'm going to revolutionize elastic shapewear. <laughs> it could have been. <laughs> I don't like yeah. But anyway, I, I think it's, we're supposed to suspend our disbelief and not think about the clothes thing. Probably. Which, fair enough. I would be able to do that if I liked the whole movie, but I don't, so I end up nitpicking <laughs> it. <laughs> I, I can acknowledge one of my flaws, okay? I would be a hypocrite about this. If I liked this movie, I'd be like, it's fine, suspend your disbelief, don't worry about it. Yeah, that does help a lot. Yeah, I kind of get that they were kind of trying to be clever with the costumes, so I can appreciate... This is a change where I'm like, okay, I can appreciate what you're trying to do, even if it doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then when I first watched this movie in the movie theater, I started losing hope when you hear, for some reason, I guess they're like, this scene is boring. Let's add in some mysterious whispering from the Wonderland characters about, <laughs> you know, roasting Alice for not getting it, that she should remember. And it's like, why? Why do we need that? It adds nothing. It only takes away from the scene, I feel like. I'd much rather just focus on her failing than listening to others talk about her fail. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. I didn't think it added much. I just figured it was supposed to be plot development so that you know uh, that this was purposeful that she was brought here. It's not even purposeful plot development because they go over it later. Yeah. So it doesn't add anything mm-hmm. besides just being mysterious, I guess. Like, oh, she's here for some alternative reason, I suppose. But also they're watching her and they can't just tell her what to do. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Yeah, like, see, see, you add this stuff in the story, and then it doesn't make sense. They're probably just, like, testing her. Yeah, but it's stupid. It's just, like, (laughs) I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It reminds me of when, like, um, you're, like, doing a puzzle or something, and then the person who's already done it, but they're watching over you, and they're, like, backseat (laughs) puzzle driving, and they're just like, how are you not figuring this out yet? It's so simple. You're like, please just let me do the puzzle. <laughs> is this uh is this it? Like she's in an escape room and they didn't want to ruin yeah. her. <laughs> They're like, she's gotta figure it out herself. She's gonna be mad if we tell her the solution. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I just I, re- I really like these two scenes and then it's all ruined for me. Because <laughs> I'm like, imagine a whole Alice movie like this, like a whole adaptation. Yeah. It it feels good. It feels nice. I would like an Alice with the Burton aesthetic. That would be cool. Yeah. That is the one big thing that I think could have been way better is have this aesthetic, but do a more straight adaptation with it instead of another chosen hero warrior story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm kind of like spitballing here. Part of, I always felt like Burton doesn't really care about the story of Alice, which fair enough, I guess. So part of me is like, what if he just was like, I really want a story in this, make one up. On the other hand, Alice has historically done very badly as a movie theatrically mm-hmm. when done straight. So, like, at the time this movie was made, 
The last theatrical Alice was 1972, and it didn't do well. Before then, it was uh, Disney, uh, 1951, and The Bunyan Alice, 1949. But it was released in America in 1951. Didn't, neither of them did well. 1933, that one didn't do well. So, like, I'm thinking probably... Part, part of me is wondering if they were just like, it's just not going to do well if we do that. So is this the first theatrical Alice that actually did well? Yeah. Wow. If you count it as an Alice, yeah. <laughs> it's depressing, yeah. <laughs> I said earlier, I like when people do things with the source material, especially if I think if I feel like it's very creative. Mm-hmm. But I also like to I like to feel like when they're doing something with the source material, it's be, I like to feel like they like the source material. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I like to feel like they're also like, yes, I really, I'm a fan too. Mm-hmm. And I don't get that feeling with the story and the Burton Alice at all. I, th- I think that like, I don't know Burton, so I don't know what his motivations were, but I feel like he likes the idea of the story. He likes maybe the characters and the settings. I don't think he does either. Uh, uh, any of it. He, feel, he felt kind of forced to do it. I think Disney told him, everybody wants an Alice from you. <laughs> we want you to make an Alice. I suppose that I think could that's have been happened. a thing. Well, the, the other thing is, uh, one thing to keep in mind is, he didn't really have much to do with the development besides from directing. Hmm. Whereas, I feel like a lot of other Burton projects, like for instance, Night Before Christmas, you know, like he sketched he sketched the characters. He he didn't even direct that film. Like so, it's probably not an accurate choice. Yeah, but Every, everyone always credits him with that one, but it was Henry Selick. Yeah, he didn't direct it, but you know, like he was very involved in the aesthetic and he designed the look they went for. Yada yada. Mm-hmm. He didn't do that with Alice. He didn't personally like draw any. It was a team of concept artists, like a house design team, kind of. I, I guess that makes sense. So maybe yeah. it's more like the people who were doing the designing liked the basic concepts of Alice and then put a Burton spin on them. Yeah, it feels very manufactured Burton to me. Oh, it prob- doesn't feel uh, like yeah, he's definitely. It doesn't like, feel I'm, like he's I, into it's it. definitely a manufactured thing. Like even though I like a lot of things in this movie, it's definitely a manufactured. <laughs> like we got to make this and make some money. It's it's not like this is a passion project of anybody. This is just they wanted to make something weird, and I liked that about it. He said some things in like interviews where it, it was very clear he didn't really care for the book. I don't remember the exact quotes, but you know something like um, the original book doesn't have a story. Where whereas I feel like a lot of other people would be like, well, duh. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like the things that are kind of inspired from the book come from Linda Hooverton, who was the scriptwriter. And I admit, she did a lot of research and I could tell she read the book a mm-hmm. lot. But it's just kind of like tributes, like just tributes to the book. Yeah. If, if you're not going to do adaptation to Alice, I like your inspired by Alice stuff to be a love letter to the source material. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like that for at all to me. Kind of feels like, hey, this is a good story. Everybody knows you like the stuff right if you've read the book you know what i'm referencing with this wink wink it's like <laughs> they th- they looked at it and like wouldn't it be cool if it was this wouldn't it be cool if it was that wouldn't it be cool if it was dark and gritty <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> actually uh does it remind you of american mcgee alice at all yeah i've never played it i've seen things from it so it i know what you're talking about Maybe reminds me of that a little bit, but from what I've seen, that one's like way 
darker and more disturbing, but I, I've never played it, so I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, it's Disney. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I went to a talk with American Mickey at um, UCLA, I think, and I listened to him and he, he was like, Burton ripped me off. Like he, he feels that Burton ripped him off. Hmm. Yeah, because at the end of the game, you fight the Jabberwocky and it's very similar actually yeah oh, okay interesting there's a lot of visual motifs that are very similar I, I feel like in the sequel too there's there's a lot of things that feel american mcgee-ish yeah hmm now you're kind of making me want to play american mcgee's house and see what i think uh, of it <laughs> you probably should i i personally can't play it because i really suck at video games but i've, I've looked into it myself it's not my t- cup of tea for alice uh, i feel like american mcgee actually has a respect for the story he's a weirdo but he has respect for the story and i could appreciate that okay i say weirdo with love he's a bit weird <laughs> um he's bonkers but all the best people are <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah anyway um i do recommend looking into the games even if you can't play them yourself like look watching let's plays or something but if okay. you can't play them yourselves it's better i again i just suck at playing games but anyway, a lot of stuff that's very similar to American stuff in American Mickey. I guess my point is, it, the aesthetic might not even really even be Burton's aesthetic. Well, since Burton wasn't the actual designer, it could have been people who appreciated Burton's aesthetic, had played American McGee, thought that they would make a great mashup, and kind of ran with that. Yeah, it feels like kind of a, putting lots of things into a blender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, my, I guess my point is, I feel like Burton had been phoning it in at this point, and he, he wasn't really present. Well, if somebody else was doing the designs, then yeah. <laughs> I mean, he directed, and obviously he was part of casting, because he got, he got his people in. Yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know, it, it just, it feels, at least for me, I don't know, it, he doesn't feel engaged. Yeah, I could see that. Anyway, so that's my ramble. Thank you for coming to my lecture. <laughs> I know nothing about Burton. I just, I'm a very passionate Alice fan who wanted more. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you're not alone because from what I can tell online, this one is almost universally hated by Alice fans. Uh, yeah, pretty much. That said, it, it did bring a lot of people in. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on, unless you guys have anything else to say or add. We can move on with the story. Okay. I wrote, I hate the Wonderland reveal. It looks ugly. it looks so ugly to me in this i hate it i like this first scene of wonderland it goes downhill after this i i I feel like it i feel like it's already down the hill (laughs) i i wrote that it looks like it was like beautiful decay (laughs) and i like that about it in this scene after this scene it just gets grayer and grayer and grayer (laughs) I hate the Tweedles, I hate the flowers, I hate the Dormouse. Dodo's okay, <laughs> but these are my notes. Dodo yeah, wasn't was like, in there very much. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, what's the point of the Dodo? Why is he here? He talks and then he squawks. He's there to be a Dodo because there's a Dodo in the book. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I mean. There's like tributes to things, yes. but there's no real rhyme or reason or actual care. It's like, I don't know if I, it, would it be, you know... I guess I preferred being there over not being there. I don't know. But I, I don't feel like I'm really missing anything if he wasn't there. No. Really, the only ones who do anything are the rabbit and the mouse and the Tweedles 
somewhat. Yeah. Also, the flowers are ugly. Can I just say that? <laughs> I, I just hate this Wonderland. I'm sorry, y'all. No, I, I get it. Because like I said, I mean, I did like this first scene, just the weird decay, but also flowers. But after that, it does go downhill. There's a lot of gray in this movie. Yeah, I just, uh, I feel like that was the popular film palette at the time. Yeah. Like this yeah. Dark, gritty. Yeah. And it doesn't even make sense for Alice, but they still did it. And I don't get it. Yeah, because like when I first started watching, I was like, oh, the real world is like gray and dreary. And I was like, all right, now time for the bright wonderland. And then it wasn't bright. It was kind of just brown <laughs> yeah, now. That's, that's, that's what's hilarious. The party is bland and you're like, oh, this is the point, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's supposed to look bland. And then you go to Wonderland. It's like, it's still bland. What do you want from me? <laughs> it's like, I, you know, am I supposed to think this looks better? Yeah. Cause like, if you see the poster, it's like, oh, it's bright and colorful. And the then poster like, is oh. probably why everyone remembers this as a colorful version. <laughs> the poster <laughs> yeah. is a little bit of false advertising. Because, I mean, there is color in some scenes, but, like, if you're, most of the scenes that take place outside, it's just, like, a desolate landscape, almost. Well, you know, it's interesting, because my friend was, who I watched this, this, was saying, wasn't there, like, promotional material where the tea party, like, the mad tea party table looked nicer and cheerier? And I was like, um, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about, but that's not in the movie. It's, it doesn't look that way. It'll be interesting to see how I feel between this movie and the next one because thinking back like i haven't seen either of these in a long time looking back i remember thinking that this was the better film but i was also thinking of it in terms of being closer to the book and even though the next one is like way out of left field totally different than the book i kind of have a feeling thinking back i think i'm probably gonna like the second one better well see um (laughs) personally part of the reason why i prefer the second one is because if you asked me if i would do a time travel story with alice or a war story with alice i'd be like why would you want to do a war story with alice yeah yeah Yeah. what's the appeal i don't like i don't get it so i'm like i feel like time travel is more vibing with the alice it is aesthetic so i don't know I'm, i'm just i don't understand the war plot why like they're just like war is cool i don't i I think it's another thing of the time because i think there was a lot of those kind of stories coming out around like the turn of the 2010s i feel like if um they wanted to do war they should have leaned more into that like had a fight scene and like maybe someone rips the hearts off of one of the heart cards like kind of make it more whimsical let's just all right swords kind of ridiculousness yeah like kind of more of the whimsical alice in wonderlandness i agree yeah, yeah. yeah and alice is just like this is a war like that would be more in line with a war in wonderland i feel like yeah <laughs> yeah see i said uh kind of clever that her hair looks like the back of the beanish boy's head oh it kind of does i never really well they do say that the the poem, the Jabberwocky, is about her. So maybe yeah. that's why. Maybe that was on purpose. Oh, yeah, that was on purpose. <laughs> this is a clever allusion to like the Jabberwocky illustration. I will give them a brownie point. But also, I hate <laughs> a it. A single brownie point. <laughs> yeah. One single brownie point. 
I understand what you did here. I will admit it's clever, but also I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really care for the whole oraculum thing. Like, I didn't like that there was this prophecy. I hate the oraculum. It's the stupidest thing. It's like, oh, we got these prophecies. The queen doesn't want her Jabberwock to be killed, but she follows the prophecy anyway. Why? I don't think they even needed this oraculum thing. They could have had the whole story work the same without it. And I think it would have worked better without it. The only reason why they put it in was because they wanted Alice to be the chosen one for some reason. But does she really need to be the chosen one? Can't she have just ran away from the proposal and ended up in Wonderland again? Does she really need to be the chosen one? Yeah. And I think it kind of goes against the whole, what the, the message that they were trying to put was like, make your own destiny because she had that line about making her own path. But like, she still follows the entire prophecy. Yeah. yeah, she literally followed the path. They're like, you need to do this. She's like, no, I don't need to. That's not me. Well, actually, it is you. Okay, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> what? What's the character development here? Help me out. I don't get it. What's the message? She should have handed the sword to the Mad Hatter. He's like, you have curly hair. Go for it. <laughs> Good point, Katie. I like that. Like, it's really you, Hatter. I'll hold on to your hat for you. (laughs) I feel like there's any number of people who are in Wonderland could have been the chosen one if they'd wanted to be. But nobody wanted to face the Jabberwocky. They just wanted to find some outsider to go and send her in instead. Yeah, but then like they were like, all right, who's going to slay the Jabberwocky? And everyone stood up and they're like, I'll do it. And then they look at the picture and they're like, oh, wait, no, Alice has to do it. Oh, no, we we can't do it. This piece of paper says we can't. <laughs> it's said, well, but we've already established, we est- well, we do establish later that the Cheshire cat can look like anybody. So he could have just turned into an Alice shape and gone after None her. None of this <laughs> makes any sense. That's the problem with this movie is like it, wa- it wants to put a story into Alice in Wonderland, but I yeah. feel like, it, but it, it takes it very seriously. And I feel like with the war story, it doesn't work with these characters that don't have logic, right? Yeah. Like the only thing I could think of is they put this oraculum because they were like, why would Wonderland characters care? And it's like, oh, well, they have to care because this prophecy says they have to. And it's like, <laughs> why? But then you start to look at it, you're like, okay, movie, I will just go where you want me to go. I will just take this at face value. But then they're like, oh, the cat can shapeshift. And it's like, (laughs) (laughs) why not just send the cat in then? Especially because he can, he's like invincible. Yeah. he Yeah. He gets beheaded and he just poofs away. (laughs) <laughs> oh i don't get involved with politics <laughs> except when i do <laughs> except when i do but i don't want to fight the jabberwocky I, like part of me is like did they put on the politics line because they knew that they wrote this stupid character that could win they're like we gotta, <laughs> we gotta have this reason for why you can't do this so they do and it's like i don't know see there's a lot of flat holes and things that don't make sense I I don't disagree. <laughs> yeah. I st- like I said, I still like things about this movie, but it has a lot of problems. I do appreciate how Cheshire Cat was just basically a cat, and he's just like, I'm just going to sit here. And you're like, could you do something, please? And he's like, no. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, that that is very cat vibes from the book. <laughs> I like him like that in the Disney movie, too, where he's like, maybe I'll do things. 
Maybe I won't. Yeah. You know, I do what I want. But still, in here, it, it's like he kind of has those vibes, but also he doesn't because he keeps getting involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you're like, all right, he's part of the battle. And then he just poofs away again. And you're like, did you learn nothing? Yeah, I'm confused. Like, you know, I feel like characters that have their own motivations and aren't on either side can be very interesting. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it's very confusing because he doesn't seem to have a motivation. He wanted the hat in that one scene. That was it. I, I don't think most of the characters have much of motivation other than let's do this because the prophecy said so. <laughs> well, Hatter is like, let's do this because revenge, you know, like justice. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, I guess we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. Yeah, we've, we've barely gotten out of the Hall of Doors. <laughs> yeah, but I don't remember what comes next. Though they talk about the oraculum, they're going to take it back to the were they going to take it to the White Queen? I think I don't know. They they yeah. the Tweedles head off with Alice, but then the Tweedles are taken by the Jub Jub Bird, which I did like the Jub 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 Bird. I liked how they took these animal names from the poem and turned them into creatures. I liked. Uh, Want to know what I wrote for that? My you probably hated it. <laughs> References to book, but also F you. That's what I wrote. I liked the weirdly creative twists that they put on it. Like the Bandersnatch, like who would think of mixing up a bulldog and a snow leopard and some kind of a lizard kangaroo thing? (laughs) Yeah, the designs uh, for the creatures themselves are fine. That's the part I liked about it. I just don't really get the point of them being there. Oh, I don't think there was a point other than like, hey, here's that thing from the poem. This is what it looks like now. (laughs) Yeah, it just felt like that. And I I don't know. I just didn't. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think that they were making them for people like me who like creatures. (laughs) For no other point, because they don't really have a point in the story. It just felt like trivia for trivia's sake. Yeah, probably. And but though the Bandersnatch later, it, it does he does kind of he like does have, a, have point. a point. The Jub Jub Bird doesn't really have a point. But I don't really get what the point to the Bandersnatch is. I feel like the movie is trying to convince me as a point, and I'm just like he's a plot device. <laughs> That's yeah. his point. Well, it's just it's kind of like someone's winking at me, like uh huh, you get it? Like this mm-hmm. is what you see, and I'm like, no, I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> and it's just, like. Skip me forward a little bit. What is the point of the banner snatch? He's her mount. Yeah, but before that. He works for the evil queen, then she tames him, and then he becomes her mount. Like that's that's his whole point. Is there supposed to be a message to this or She's good with animals? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Well, like, okay, so Molly, the dormouse, takes out his eye. Alice takes it, they give it back to him, and she rolls his eye over to her, which gross. Yeah. And then goes to try to open the chest, and then she, like, collapses from pain because of her festering wound. <laughs> and, so she and then he the heals him there. with his magic spit. Well, he waits till the morning for some reason. He's like, I guess I like you now because <laughs> you gave my eye back and you've just been sleeping over there, so I guess you're okay. Uh, I'll like here. Let me lick your festering wound, which for some reason you wouldn't let the cat, Cheshire cat fix, but you'll let me fix. And I don't know. I'm just really confused. Is it supposed to be an eye for an eye thing? I... It, it, it's a plot because it needed to happen. 
Did it? Though? I don't understand. Did it need to happen? Yes. Did it need? <laughs> it, to happen? it needed to happen for the plot, but as far as like needing to happen, I don't think it needed to. They just wanted to have some way to have her connect with the beast. I don't even think it really needed to happen for the plot. This is something they chose no. to do. The Vorpal Sword could have been anywhere. The Banner Snatch yeah. didn't have to be in the story. This was kind of their way of justifying having the Banner Snatch. I feel like, and I, I oh, just probably. don't get it. Yeah. It, yeah, it kind of felt like like when they were concepting the idea, they came up with like all these characters and creatures, and they're like, okay, we love all of them. Let's somehow fit them all in our movie. Mm, yeah, pretty much. Man, working on the CGI for this movie must have been a nightmare. <laughs> this movie was basically an animated movie with a couple of live action characters. Even like we can, I guess we can talk about him now. The Knave of Hearts. When he first came on the scene, I was like. I is hate he him. CGI too? I think his he horse is. Was, his horse is CGI. Oh, the horse definitely is. But I think he is as well. Because like his legs look unnaturally yeah. long to me. Uh, I, I've, I've seen behind the scenes shots of him. Like he did act it out. Like that's his face. Well, I mean, like with the Queen of Hearts, I'm pretty sure like she's live action, but then they enhanced her head. So maybe <laughs> they did something similar with him. Because he yeah, does look similar. quite real like i don't know what they did so i hate i hate stain i wish he didn't i didn't even remember his name was stain until (laughs) i looked up the imdb page i remember because it's a stupid name (laughs) (laughs) i wonder why they named him stain like what is that why did they name them anything because he's evil (laughs) he's a stain Uh, i don't i don't know like why did they name the hatter tarant tarant or the Dormouse Malicum. I, I might as well bring this up. I don't like the names and imaginary language because it feels very much that they're trying to go for the whole, you know, like Lewis Carroll imaginary yes. language. Oh, de- they're definitely trying to replicate Minzy. the language from the poems. Yeah, but I'm like, it doesn't feel the same to me at all. No. Maybe it sounds the same to somebody who's not familiar with the book, but because we've read the book, we know the poems, we know which words are which, <laughs> then yeah. we can tell which ones are the fake ones. I feel like we know Lewis Carroll's style too. Yeah. Like he wouldn't have named something the oraculum. It's not that one that one sounds like I wasn't even thinking of the oraculum. I was thinking of like when they named the days, like whatever the other day names were. Those didn't sound like him. The oraculum definitely didn't sound like him. That sounded like something trying to be Tolkien or something. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good point. It sounded more Tolkien than Carroll. It had like vibranium. And unobtainium <laughs> energy. <laughs> Something for a comic book, yes. Yeah, I got, I, I'm not. I had no idea what you just said, but when you said comic, book, <laughs> yeah, it sounds more comic book. Uh, vibranium is the stuff that Captain America's shield is made out of. I think it's the stuff that is in Wakanda. And oh. then I've only seen it once, but I think unobtainium is whatever the people on the Avatar movie were trying to get. Yeah. Oh, see, I should know that because they're both related <laughs> to Disney. But I'm, I'm not a Marvel or an Avatar fan. But yeah, it, it's very much, it sounds like that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was going to be worse, actually. Like, uh, I read an earlier draft of the script and it, it was going to be different. Actually, some parts of it might have been better. The only thing I really remember about it, though, is that Alice and Hatter were like definitely a couple. Where I feel like in, in the final movie, it's very implied, but they don't, you know, it's kind of left up in the air. 
Yeah, she was platonically um, cupping his cheeks. Yeah, probably. <laughs> A platonic cheek cup. Well, I don't know. I platonically cheek cup too, I guess. But um, anyway, there definitely wasn't any any doubt on the romantic vibes. But they also like had this whole. There was like glossary at the end with like all these made up words, like this whole language, some of which appear in the final movie, and it was going to be so much worse in this draft. Like every single sentence, like some made up word, and I was like, oh god, okay, I'll stop complaining. It could have been worse. <laughs> <laughs> You'll stop complaining, but you won't. <laughs> I did yeah. have some moments. <laughs> I where... did complain about it. <laughs> I had some moments where I was like, I didn't understand what they were saying because oh, me a lot too. Of times they would were whispering, and so I would go back and I would watch it like three times, and I'm like, all right, that's it. And so I put subtitles on, and I'm like, oh, they're saying made up words. No wonder I couldn't understand what they were saying. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I didn't remember that the Knave of Hearts's name was Stain because I didn't realize that's what she was saying. Like I thought she was just kind of unintelligible, unintelligibly <laughs> screaming. Yeah, Stain. <laughs> Though, in tangent from that, I hate the Underland thing. I hate it so much. Yeah, I, w- I wish it would have just been called Wonderland. Yeah. Why would they call themselves Underland? Do they know they're under Earth? Do they know that? I don't know. <laughs> no, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm not saying they should be called Wonderland either, because obviously things are not a wonder to them. But why Underland? What are they under? They have skies and stuff. It's really dumb. It's really dumb. Yeah. (laughs) And I also am not 100% sure, but I don't think it's unique to this version because I feel like I've read a book that called it Underland as well, like some sort of a novel. Really? Like it was was another dark, gritty retelling. But this is years ago. I don't remember what it was. The thing is, like, I'm a quote unquote Alice expert, but I haven't read like the book retellings. I know, like, War in Wonderland is not necessarily new because there's literally a book called The Looking Glass Wars. That was it. Um, that was it. That was they it. it that was it. I think. I think that's when they call it the Underland. Yeah. The everybody has weird. This is another one where they give everybody everybody weird names. They have weird words. That that's why a lot of this felt like it was from that book. And I kept mixing things up. But the weird thing is, is that they don't credit that book. They don't have the rights to that book. No. Um, like I've never I, read it. I don't know if it was if it was on purpose or not, but there's enough similarities that I kept thinking that I was thinking of this movie, but I, maybe I was thinking of that book actually, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like it's been so it's been longer since I've read that book than since I've seen this movie, so I don't I don't remember much of it. Like but, I said, it, things in a blender. Yeah, I will say every time they said uh, specifically the Mad Hatter said Underland with his weird like accent and the way he mumbled a lot of his words i was like is he saying underwear i'm confused (laughs) (laughs) underwear (laughs) um i guess we could talk about the hatter sure yeah his eyes are scary i hate him i hate the hatter so much i hate his design his eyelashes yeah his eyelashes are creepy i hate his eyes the only thing I like are his hat pins and his embroidery thread sash thing. <laughs> I also hate how he goes randomly into a Scottish accent for no discernible reason other than to look mad. Yeah, I could see that. 
Also, why does he have to be powdery white? I don't get it. Why is he? Why does he have to be a clown? <laughs> I'm not. Again, I'm not 100 sure, but I think a lot of his design has to do with whatever that disease is that Hatters would usually get because of whatever chemicals they use to make hats. I think that's what a lot of his design was based on. Wouldn't his hair go white? Not his face. I don't know. I can't remember. I think in the move in the sequel, it's made out that he's unusual with the Hatters as well. I think so. I haven't seen it in a while, and I've only yeah, watched that I one once. It. It'll be interesting to watch after this before we do that podcast because I'm just wondering how I'll feel about it. Yeah, but anyway, so I hated his design, and uh, um, you know, tragic backstory unlocked. It's- <laughs> Oh no, that random city got caught on fire. I'm mad now. <laughs> well, I mean, it's his family, but I'm also like, why does he need a family? Oh, why is that what it was? Yeah, it's his. Uh, he thinks his whole family's dead. Oh. And spoilers again, in the sequel, it turns out his like nuclear family is not dead, like his closest family. But at, at the time of this movie, he thinks they're all dead. So that's why he wants to get revenge on the red queen okay i, I had that. forgotten that you've forgotten that even though you just watched the movie <laughs> no i mean i'd forgotten about the second movie uh, i had forgotten okay. that his family was still alive i guess but, now that you say that i do remember but i had forgotten yeah well the problem with this movie and even the sequel is that the things that happen are so inconsequential like it doesn't really matter so it, it doesn't stick around i'm not saying i remember every movie every moment every movie i've ever watched but i've seen this movie like 15 times at least <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot for a movie you can't stand <laughs> now that you would assume that would mean i'd like it but it's the opposite i i used to host streams and eventually we'd always come to this movie and i you know everyone's like you have to show it it's like okay <laughs> um anyway so it's like i've seen this movie a lot and every single time i forget things because ultimately it's not it doesn't really matter for the ultimate plot and the plot itself doesn't make sense. So it's very easy to not get things. Like I, I, I don't think Kitty were the only one who didn't understand that was supposed to be his family. Yeah. I feel like that's a very common thing where people are like, Oh, that was his family. Yeah. The backstory I just remember is like people were dancing with ribbon. The white queen was there. And then the Jabberwocky showed up and he was like, Oh no, the village burned down. <laughs> I think you're, it's a village of the Hatters, like so they're, they're all okay. wearing these elaborate hats. So you can assume that his family is a part of it, okay. of the massacre. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of people kind of tune out at that part because they're like, okay, whatever. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't like the Hatter. I like how weird he is. <laughs> and you like maybe- him? Yeah, because I like how weird he is. And uh. I think part of it, may, well, I, this probably isn't part of it. I was going to say maybe part of it is because I've seen so many others, but I saw this before I'd seen others. And uh. like there, there's a lot of bad Mad Hatters. <laughs> so in comparison, I feel like this one is head and shoulders above some of the weird, creepy old ones. Help me out. What's the, what's the worst one? Hit me. Uh, there's one in... I want to say sometimes the the silent ones and the 31 one kind of get mixed up, but I know there's one where the face is like really creepy. I actually like the 31 more one more. <laughs> I, I suppose I can see that, but I did not. 
Ed, no, that's Edward the one that dies. Everett. That's the one where he dies in the courtroom, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I like didn't like that one very much. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one where it's like it looks like his face is melting. Um, is that? I think 1933, or, or maybe, maybe actually. 1915 actually is it was a silent some, some of these all run together <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah there's just a lot of weird hatters and i like it's hard to beat my favorite hatters which is edwin from alice the 1951 mm-hmm. and martin short in 1989 i love them and mm-hmm. i would i would count by default johnny depp would be up there too because i like him better than so many others Although he's still not anywhere near as good as Edwin. Like, Edwin is still the best. I just don't like him. But uh, I think a big part of it is he was so heavily associated with this movie. I, I would say that Hatter was advertised more than Alice at some point. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. 100%. Oh, it, this was basically advertised as Mad Hatter the movie. <laughs> well, the second strange. one. The second, second one, one is too, Avatar. Definitely. And that one's like Alice through the backstory of the Mad Hatter. Yeah. I don't know. So he just grinds my gears. I don't like his face. <laughs> but uh, to be honest, I was already getting tired of Johnny Depp before this movie, and that might have added to it too. <laughs> and just like, uh, and then it doesn't help that, it, you know, Disneyland people are like, oh, Johnny Depp, he's so hot. Uh, <laughs> you know, and like, were you here when he was on the Pirates ride with Jack Sparrow? And I was like, no. And I remember this one guest was like, oh, you must have been so, you must have been so disappointed. And I was like, no, actually, I was happy. I don't want to be anywhere near. Like, my day, that was my day off. And I, I hear the area was absolutely crazy because everybody was trying to get on the ride to see him. It's like, like he was there in person. You're not talking yeah, about Yeah, they the... took out the Jack Sparrow animatronic and he he was there instead. Oh, so wow. He, yeah. Is that something that they normally do? Like, do they put no. normal people in those kind of roles? No. <laughs> this was clear. This was just uh, Johnny Depp wanting to be the center of attention. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I would feel about that. Like, on the one hand, it would have been kind of cool. But on the other hand, that's way too many people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. On, on the other hand, Johnny Depp does seem to genuinely care about making people happy with the Jack Sparrow character. Like, I know he goes to hospitals dressed up. Yeah, he does the children's hospitals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know. I, I wonder I if he does it, that as Mad Hatter. <laughs> oh, gosh. He might scare the children. No, he has, he I don't think he has. <laughs> what about you, Katie? Did you like his, this Mad Hatter? Um,. So when I originally watched it, I thought it was fine. This time around, I felt like he was not entirely important, um, and but he felt more like almost like self-inserted or like like a a girl on Tumblr was like, "Oh yeah, I like the Mad Hatter and Alice." And I'm <laughs> like, a really good point. Oh my! I can't believe that. That's no, so true. Katie's almost. right. Katie's right. <laughs> You're 100% right, and you it's just speak like, the truth. It's like Matt Hatter fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, I don't know, because it is like, what's the what's so great about Matt Hatter? What does he bring to the story? He, does, he doesn't actually bring anything to the story. Yeah. But Alice is like, I want to save him. He, all the best people are bonkers, and you're bonkers, Hatter. But, you Except know. for Aunt Imogen. She's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, she's not uh, a Tumblr hot boy, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he is pretty much a Tumblr sexy boy. Yeah. You know, so it's, I, you know, that might be part of my problem with him. I don't really get why he's there. Yeah, or, it's like, like such an integral part of the plot. It kind of felt like the plot. What was there was moving. It's like, oh wait, we forgot. We got to come back to the Mad Hatter. We have this much screen time. We need him on. It's kind of like dragging him by the wrist. Like he, yeah. we need to keep him involved somehow. <laughs> oh no, he had to get kidnapped. Alice has to save him. It also could be because Johnny Depp is a big name that they can put on the poster. So let's give him more screen time than he normally would get. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure he was advertised the most in the credits. His name showed up before the name of the movie. What? It says Johnny Depp, and then it said Alice in Wonderland, and then it said the other actors. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't notice. I was. I think I was busy typing something when it started <laughs> well that's funny maybe they should have just made it about Matt Hatter at least that'd be different <laughs> well they fixed that with the sequel yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well in a weird way I feel like the sequel is still about Alice because it's the plot is about the, at least in the sequel he's actually integral to the plot whereas in the movie he literally brings nothing by being there you lose nothing by taking him out, but it insists on dragging him in. And I'm like, if you want him in so much, you could actually do a romance with Alice instead of just kind of like implying that maybe there's something there. I don't know if there's <laughs> meant to be a romance uh, and there's just no chemistry between them. I, I might as well take this moment to say I, I like Mia Wasowski. What's her name? I don't know. Her, I don't know how to say her last name. Mia. Yeah, Wassel. I don't know how to say it either. Wassel whiskey. Wassel whiskey, something like that. Something like that. That's probably completely wrong. Yeah, I like her as an actress because I've seen her in other things. But in this movie, she's just—and I don't think it's her fault. I think she was probably directed this way. She's just so disengaged because it's meant—you know—it's just a dream. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, is there actually like full on supposed to be a romance between her and the Hatter? I did. I didn't get that vibe, like at all. The chemistry is just not going through because she's so dead inside. <laughs> I don't know, but at the same time, it's like she just meets the Hatter and she's like, "I want to go save him, even though it's a dream and it doesn't really matter. I need to go to him." And it's like, why? Did you really connect with him that much? <laughs> Maybe it's the same thing. What happened with the Bandersnatch? Like he saved her, so she's got to save him and repay the favor. I guess. It's it's because it's a fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole movie kind of is. So, if she's a self insert, <laughs> <laughs> actually, that would make a lot of sense. Again, she's like, "I'm the chosen one. <laughs> I'm, I'm very special, even though I do nothing and I just look dead inside." <laughs> actually, I'm gonna start looking at the movie this way. It's a self insert. Thank you. <laughs> find that immensely more entertaining <laughs> as long as we're talking about the hatter um i really don't like what they did with the march hair he's literally like a psychic character and he doesn't do anything i liked moments i i didn't love his design but i liked moments where he was like in the background kind of being crazy <laughs> like when he yeah, was not in I the mean. focus He's in the background, and I'm, I'm not saying March Hare needs to be a main character or anything, because, you know, obviously he's not. But I don't even feel like he and Matt Hatter are friends. 
they hardly ever even interacted. Yeah, yeah. there's no chemistry they were in the same them. area, but that was it. I will say, I think the sequel did a little bit better because at the there's like a tea party scene in the sequel, and it actually feels like you know like a party. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like in this movie, I feel like it's the Matt Hatter and his pets. <laughs> it's kind of like that i think yeah. in some parts of my notes i wrote the hatter and the animals <laughs> yeah they're just the animals that survived the dragon raising the land yeah he's just like i i guess i gotta take care of them now <laughs> i don't necessarily like them also how did the hatter survive i don't know <laughs> yeah, like literally everything around him was burnt <laughs> And he's just like, I must avenge my family. Maybe his hat is magic. It gave him a force field. Maybe. <laughs> well, he got his hat uh, after the battle because it. He found it. It was like a damaged artifact. Oh, that's true. He had. It was like off to the side, like he'd lost it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't pick it up until after the flame had come. Yeah, I don't know. I have no other ideas. <laughs> he's magic. Yeah. Whatever. You're not. You're not <laughs> supposed to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I do like looking at my notes again. I do like that Alice is small in a teapot. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. I wish it was in a better Alice. <laughs> I just really love that idea. I actually was tempted to buy. There's an ornament of Alice in the teapot. I was tempted to buy it. But I was also like, but it's Burton, and I don't want to support <laughs> anything to do with that version. <laughs> But maybe I'll get maybe I'll get it secondhand. But yeah, um, I really like the idea of Alice Small in this teapot. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. Sorry, there's few things I like. I have to hype them up. <laughs> I like when he's like when he puts her into the teapot and then he like has to cram the dress in after. Her. That cracked me up. Yeah. But also like he's a whiz with scissors because he just like made a dress with nothing, <laughs> like snip 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 dress. Like a cartoon. <laughs> I'm actually okay with that. He's a hatter. Makes yeah, sense. that's yeah. the only reason why I was like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah. otherwise, it's like nobody is that good. But my thing also, like, okay, so the did you guys wonder about the dog character? Did you know who he was? Bayard? No. I think he's meant to be the puppy in the book. Rona. Really? Oh. Yeah. The only thing I could think of to justify his existence. <laughs> hmm. But did anyone else think it's weird that Bayard had to be reminded to be a revolutionary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's like they t- they tell him they're going to free his family, and he's like, "Yes, I'm going to go kill everybody." And then they say, "Whatever, down with the bloody big head." Yeah. And then and he's like, "Oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm on your side." Again. I'm going to pretend she's not here. But then yeah. he immediately leads them back to her. Yeah, it, it was like they weren't sure what they wanted to do with the character. Yeah, it was bizarre. But it's kind of like, if he's a revolutionary, wouldn't he like... Wait, did he know he was trying to find Alice? He knew, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because he went then to the teapot. Why would he actually like lead them to Alice then? I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think that they really knew what they wanted to do with the character. I think this, it's one of those. You know, this movie feels like a fever dream. You ever <laughs> have a fever dream where it actually doesn't make sense at all? Well, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of okay with a lot of this stuff because Alice in Wonderland is supposed to be a dream, even though it's not in this version. It's supposed to be. So I'm just like, yeah, whatever that happened. 
<laughs> I don't I don't think too deeply about it because I mean it's supposed to not make sense even though this version on paper is supposed to make sense even though it doesn't I guess I just don't care because whatever <laughs> I don't know I have my own dreams about being the chosen one and having to save the world I don't need to watch a movie about it thank you <laughs> your dream boyfriend is the Matt Hatter <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Wake me up, please. Me. Well, we haven't talked about the queen yet. We should talk about the queen. Oh yeah, I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> and I love I'm her. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, I think I it's hate just because I like Helena Bottom Carter. And I like, even though half the time I cannot understand a single thing she's saying, I like how crazy she is. And she's like genuinely awful because that one scene with, with the frog footman and she's like interrogating them all. And then the one is being dragged away because he's the one who stole her tarts. And she t- she tells this fish footman to go to the frog's house because she loves tadpoles on toast almost as much as she loves caviar. <laughs> this woman is sick. <laughs> See this? I, I just don't like her. <laughs> I like Helena Bonham Carter. I think that's the only reason I like this version. <laughs> and that's another reason because I'm also kind of sick of her. <laughs> Why does her head have to be so big? <laughs> I think they're probably just basing it off the drawings. What drawings? Aren't there certain drawings that have her with a big head? Yeah, but like it's mostly Hatter. They don't make his head big. Oh, that's true. They should have given him a big head too. <laughs> There's no consistency. Well, then they'd have to have a romance or something. <laughs> well, she is single now. <laughs> oh, no. I, I guess I will respect the reference later that she killed the king. And um, that's why people get executed and things are different now. Because there's no one to pardon people and stop her, basically. Like... Okay, I guess another brownie point. (laughs) The the one line that I like, even though it's really dumb, when she screams, she killed my jobber baby walkie. (laughs) That cracks me up every time. (laughs) It's so dumb, but I still like it. (laughs) You guys ever, I I don't know, this is just reminding me so much of when Vine was the thing. And it's like, damn, Daniel. And some people thought it was hilarious. Other people were like, <laughs> I don't get it. I feel like this is that moment. It could be. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I didn't think yeah. that was funny either. So maybe it's just one of those things that only hits a couple people's funny bones. <laughs> and yeah. I'm one oh, of them for get, this one. <laughs> I didn't get damn Daniel at all. But then like, I had a coworker make a, like, a spinoff meme of it for a trash can. Like, damn, trash can, back out again with the trash liner. And I, <laughs> I cracked up, and I was like... <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, right, I don't that know why shouldn't that got be me. funny, but it still is. <laughs> it's, it's stupid. <laughs> but anyway, so, I don't know, I guess the, the humor hits some people, and, and not all, though. I don't even me. know if that was supposed to be funny, but it was to me. <laughs> It could have been one of those things that they didn't intend to be a joke, but it hit me as a joke. 
I do like when she said, clothe this ginormous girl. I that do was like, another of reason, my favorite lines. <laughs> yeah, Use the curtains reason, if you have to. <laughs> yeah, but for some reason that did tickle my funny bone. Actually, I like that whole, I, I like the umbrage exchange in general, yes, actually. That was one of my favorite scenes. But if you ask me to analyze why I like that and not everything else, I wouldn't be able to tell you. <laughs> I guess Clovis' ginormous girl feels very Wonderland to me in a way. I, I don't know. So did Um from Umbridge. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about Um from Umbridge, if that felt Wonderland to me, but... It felt like the kind of wordplay that he would have done. Maybe. Yeah, all right. I mean, I don't. I think he would have done it better, but yeah. Oh, probably, but... And, like, in terms of, like, talking about what the days, like, on the oraculum, the different days that, that each thing happened on, that did not feel like Carol. This was a lot closer to Carol than they ever got with anything else. I will, okay, I will agree with that. That might be why I like the scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was the point of the court? I don't know. I thought it was weird. The, all the people pretending to have big body parts, like the giant nose and the horrific chin and forehead people. What I thought was the weirdest part was like, okay, I could kind of get it if they did that and then they had that reveal, right, that they're all fake. But mm-hmm. they did it like twice. They did it with the one being revealed and then there was the big reveal like to the queen herself but then that didn't go anywhere yeah well it, it just it's made kind her of, mad i feel like if you're gonna do a reveal it should only be once i feel like they shouldn't have had that scene where the hatter's laughing at them right my guess is that they wanted to do a big reveal but somebody was like how did hatter notice this we gotta explain it so it's like sometimes you don't need to explain things and i feel like that would be a very good reason another thing that bugged me about them was like their prosthetics are so good, except when they're not. <laughs> like, they'll just randomly lose a nose or their chin will fall off. It's like they were indistinguishable from their regular skin a second ago, and now they just fell off. This movie is confused about what it wants. Oh, yeah, in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't know if it wants you to really focus on the court being fake. It doesn't know when it wants you to think about it. I think it was another instance of somebody had this idea and just went with it, and they put it in the movie whether it needed to be or not. Yeah. It's like, I drew these weird characters. What can we do with them? Mm-hmm. Now let's just throw them in. Yeah. I will say that while we're on the scene, I like to latch onto just the most random character and say that's my favorite character. So my favorite character in this movie is the executioner. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to solve our problem yeah he's just like he's just like okay as long as i can get to your neck yeah then he just like shrugs when the hat flies away he's like i don't know what's going on i'm just doing my job he's pretty chill in the book too just like i can't cut off my head if there's no neck to cut it off from yep (laughs) this is around where i stopped taking notes so you guys will have to pick up we're kind of all over the place, so I'm just scrolling through my notes and seeing what else that I want to talk about, because we're not doing this in order, and I don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the movie doesn't care. Why should I? No, it really doesn't. Yeah. Oh, one weird thing. The hedgehog, it was tied up. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was weird. It was weird. Poor hedgehog. Sorry, old fellow. Isn't that what the flamingo says or something? Yeah, something like that. 
It's just like you're getting hurt more from Ingo. You're getting a head full of prickles. That's what I was thinking of. Like <laughs> he's gonna lose an eye. Oh, speaking of which, there's a lot of people getting stabbed in the eye in this movie. Yeah, yeah it's very strange. There was at least three. It's this very like preoccupation with eyes and stabbing. Yeah, I don't it was like weird. it. No, I didn't either. I guess I might as well say it. I didn't bring it up. I don't like the dormouse. She annoys me. I thought I remembered liking her, but in this watch, I was like, I don't really care anymore. She's just bratty, and then I guess she gets crazy if she's at drinking tea, and then she <laughs> goes back to being bratty. So I was wondering if you guys caught on the fact that she has a crush on her. Love rival. I didn't yeah, think she's of a that, but I, I guess that kind, I can kind of see that in a couple scenes. But I, I, I didn't that get that from myself. The earlier script. Oh, okay. It was much more obvious there. <laughs> Disney's <laughs> like, this is too much of a fan fiction. Tone it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of was. Oh man, now I want to find it again. It, it was a ride. <laughs> oh, one, one thing that I liked was when the Hatter in buttering up the queen, he says that she has a regrettably large head and he wishes to hat it. <laughs> and I love how that's taken as a good thing, even though he said regrettably large. <laughs> Did he say regrettably large? I can't yes. remember. Um, it is pretty regrettably large. <laughs> what did you guys think of the white queen, Anne Hathaway? I hated her. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. I thought I remembered liking her a lot more than I did this time. But I think it was because at the time that I watched it, I just really liked Anne Hathaway. Because, like, I, I mean, I still love Princess Diaries. That's a great movie. Well, Anne Hathaway is a good actress. Yeah. But she was very weird in this movie. <laughs> it was like, I don't know. She's very breathy and i mean a lot of the characters were acting in ways that seemed unnatural so i'm sure it was purposeful but i didn't like her as much as i thought i remembered liking her i can't believe i'm saying this but i think i like kara knightley's sugar plum fairy butter wow oh no (laughs) (laughs) because i can like i might agree with you Because, like, I was laughing at the Kara Knightley one because I believe I said that she sounded like she was trying to do an English accent, a French accent, and a Harley Quinn impression. Yes. And, like, that was just weird. But, like, Anne Hathaway was just, like, a husk of a person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's very wispy. Like, there's not anything there. She, like kind of annoyed me because she's like i'm the good person and she had that like i'm the nice one and i'm just like okay i know people like you yeah (laughs) i think one of the things that i that annoyed me the most was the fact that she's the queen and she's just waiting for someone else to come and clean up the mess and she said that she couldn't get involved because it's against her vows she's made a vow i'm like well what vows like you're saying that you can't hurt another person but you you can stand by and watch while somebody else hurts a ton of people you can support or you can support someone you know it's very strange like i can't hurt i can't kill a living thing i can't hurt a living thing and it's like okay but you're supporting alice to kill a jabberwocky yeah 
that was, it was it seemed very hypocritical i think that's why she annoyed me so much in this rewatch i can't hurt people but i can order other people i can guilt trip people too <laughs> i just don't want to get my hands dirty you do it that's why they're up in the air all the time it's just this you know it's just this reasoning for why she because it has to be alice right so she can't do it because she's in the oraculum yeah they put this reason in so why she can't do it and really it just makes her a horrible character yeah, yeah that's what i was thinking i was like i think that the reason that they've given her these vows is just because they found a plot hole in the fact that she would do something if she could, but we have to have Alice do this. So let's just say she made some vows. So that's why she can't do it. But then that inadvertently turns her into an awful person. It was kind of weird that she, they made her kind of a witch character. Like, okay, she has magic. You're going to tell us she can't do anything. She feels like a very weak character to me. And like, if anything, I'm thinking more like, why Why did she make these vows? Were her parents like bloodthirsty? So, you know, Wonderland's scared of the royalty. So did she make this vow? Like, I won't, I'm not going to hurt you guys. Because that would be kind of interesting. But on the other hand, her parents were reasonable enough to not make the Red Queen the Queen of Wonderland. So that would indicate otherwise, right? I, like I said, I think it's just they found a plot hole and they decided to patch it up with these vows and <laughs> didn't think through the implications of what the vows now mean. Exactly. This is like the Wizard of Oz where they merge two witches. So <laughs> Linda tells Dorothy to go to the Wizard of Oz and later she's like, oh, yeah, you had the power all along. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just things in the story that really don't make sense and they just don't think through them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what? We haven't talked about Absalom. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Absalom. He's there. <laughs> He's got a cool voice. The funniest thing about him is when you're on the Disney Plus version, when they give you the content warning, it says violence, uh, some language or something like that. And then it says, and a smoking caterpillar. <laughs> i didn't watch it on disney plus because i own this one so i didn't see that warning <laughs> yeah i didn't either that was just funny yeah that is funny i liked him as a caterpillar like as a caterpillar character i thought i liked his design like if he had been like from the book i think he would be a great caterpillar i would have liked to see alan rickman as a book caterpillar like yeah, yeah. caterpillar yeah, he would have been good. This one just annoyed me because of the way he was written. Like, stupid girl, you called it underlined. And it's like, you're a stupid caterpillar. <laughs> Shut up, Snake. <laughs> the, the thing, this is a me thing, but the thing that, that stood out to me that was annoying was I did like the touch of him knitting his cocoon, but he held the needles wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> I actually know how to knit. So when I see somebody knitting, I always know if they're actually knitting. Because in cartoons, they hold the needles in this in a certain way that like the stereotypical old lady knitting something, that is completely wrong. That's not how you knit. The, the needles are mm. to be upside down, and you're holding almost onto the tips as you're winding the, the thread around them. Yeah. So yeah. I, I noticed right away, even though it's very cute that they have the caterpillar knitting his cocoon, I want. I wanted a more accurate rendition <laughs> of knitting. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
acetaminophen and mis um in misuse of knitting needles. <laughs> this this podcast is starting to feel like acetaminophen, and I don't like acetaminophen. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's, I feel like it's very hard not to go cinema sins at this. It is that is true. Even like I said, even though I do like a lot of this movie, it is very pick apartable. Okay, Jonathan, <laughs> I need you to rain some positivity. My positives are things that you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> I love the music. I like the Hatter. I like the Queen. <laughs> you hate all that stuff. <laughs> damn it (laughs) I tried I guess we could talk about the ending or is there anything else we want to talk about well we can get to the battle oh the battle the problem I have with the battle why are the war okay the only thing that matters is Alice with the Jabberwocky right Mm mm-hmm so why is everyone else fighting? Because the Mad Hatter poked the yes. Jabberwocky, and then they're and like, that was, "Now that we was all interfering." Have to fight. So now there's a battle. <laughs> because okay. fun, they had to do something, I guess. We can't just have hundreds of people staring at each other while while just <laughs> Alice fights the dragon. So because we have to cut back to the Mad Hatter some way. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. I was kind of like. If you're going to do a battle in the background, I'd rather it not cut back and forth. I'd rather they just be in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because ultimately, their their stuff doesn't matter. It's this the Jabberwocky matters. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of annoyed. I was just like, I'd rather not. It also does that um, cut movie cutting thing that I don't like where... Um... So you cut from one scene to the other and nothing has happened between those two scenes. So like Alice is like falling and then you cut to the battle for like a good three minutes and then you cut back and she's still falling. And you're like, what were you doing all this time, Alice? <laughs> Just hanging there. Yeah. Battle editing can be really boring sometimes. I will say it's very hard to edit a battle too without yeah. it being boring or without it being too confusing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I feel like this battle is not the best they should have had peter jackson direct it <laughs> uh, i haven't seen that <laughs> you've never seen lord of the rings nope uh, well okay I, I saw it and i fell asleep <laughs> <laughs> i could see that with the first one because the first one i was kind of bored through but then i started getting into it with the second one and by the third one i loved it i should give it another try but anyway uh, I'm, I'm sure you would have done the battle scene much better um, oh definitely he made yeah. he made the battles something that you could actually follow which is something you can't say about a lot of battle scenes mm-hmm. yeah i mean at, at least this one like you could follow it it's just really boring in my opinion mm-hmm. oh what about that that um christopher lee i loved that he had a voice <laughs> i love two, christopher two lee lines. so i love that he was in it even if he only got two lines if they're going to give Christopher Lee a cameo, that's where he goes. I thought it was perfect. I don't really have any feelings for or against, uh, so I, I guess this is an improvement. <laughs> what, what did you think of the Jabberwocky design? Um, it felt very book-inspired. It was okay. I, I liked it for the most part. It is lacking the one thing that most Jabberwocky designs lack, which is the buck teeth, which I think is what makes oh. the Jabberwocky so disturbing. 
the illustration of the Jabberwocky is disturbing because of those teeth to me anyway. And they're usually taken out. Like they usually don't give the Jabberwocky those buck teeth. So he's not as disturbing as he could be. I didn't even notice. <laughs> Maybe that's a me thing. Like I get, I get disturbed by weird things. <laughs> no, I do like his buck teeth. So yeah, that's a bit sad. Maybe, it might be like, a lot of people who design monsters would be like, oh, the buck teeth wouldn't be very efficient for. Oh, probably not. But <laughs> they're still iconic to the Jabberwocky, in my opinion. Yeah. Because, like, what other monster, what other horrifying monster would have buck teeth and still be horrifying? Because buck teeth are usually comedic. Mm. But with the Jabberwocky, to me, that illustration is so creepy because of those teeth. It, I don't know. It's kind of an implication. You can't do much to you with the teeth. Maybe. I never really thought about it. I just thought they looked creepy. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he's a creepy character. Oh, another thing about the Jabberwocky. When he first wakes up, did anybody else think that that was supposed to be a nod to Chernabog in Fantasia? Oh, yeah. It reminded me of Chernabog. Yeah. I want to know, like, because they're like, release the Jabberwocky. And then I guess he came there the night before, crusted <laughs> himself up in dirt, and was like, this is going to be the greatest entrance ever. <laughs> I, I was wondering, like, yeah, I was wondering, like, wait, was he there the whole time? Did they just, like, have killed him, you know, ahead of time? <laughs> Imagine you got this prophecy, and the Raculum's like, "You have he has to be, you have to battle him on the on Raptor's Day." And he was like, "Nah, I'm just gonna just go there while he's napping." Before. Yeah, while he's <laughs> napping, get him. Problem solved. That would have been the smart thing to do. Yeah, but I, I guess they didn't know he was there. I don't know. Maybe when he's a mountain, he's an actual mountain. He can't get to him. It could be. I don't know. He is like Chernabog. You Probably. could use yeah, dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they have dynamite in Wonderland, but I mean, this is the Wonderland that we know, so why not give them some dynamite? Well, that and it's well, and, and then the Queen talks like she's very fond of Jabberwocky, but how often does she see him? Not very he's... often if he's crusted in dirt. <laughs> yeah. They should have had that backstory in the sequel. <laughs> yeah. Find out why she thinks he's her chapper baby walkie. <laughs> what things did they get up to as children? <laughs> oh, the thing coming off of his fangs that become the thing for Alice to drink to go home. That's blood. weird. It was his blood. Ugh. Yeah, that's, that was what I thought. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you having him having her drink blood? Like, there's so many more magical ways that you could send her home. Why does it have to be she drinks the Jabberwocky's blood? Well, that, and it's kind of like, why does she even want to go home, right? Like, I want to <laughs> well, say, up to this point... This Wonderland isn't one that I would want to stay in very much, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, me neither, but she seems like she's having a grand old time with Tahatter, at least. <laughs> but my thing is, like, okay, yeah, she becomes a businesswoman. But there is no indication of that's what she wants to do throughout any of the rest of the film whatsoever. Well, we only saw her for like five, maybe ten minutes at the beginning. We saw her through the rest of the film, though. Yeah, but the rest of the film, she thinks she's in a dream. So she's not really 
<laughs> planning a business venture. <laughs> that doesn't mean that doesn't mean we can't see her like use strategy or even if she thinks she's in a dream, like she could do things. She's a part yeah. of things. Well, she traded the, the Bandersnatch's eye for the Vorpal Sword and some lips. Aha, she so wanted to trade She strategized root. that. Wow. <laughs> that was foreshadowing. <laughs> Her love for trade was born. Like, uh, if, I, if I can trade with the Bandersnatch, I can trade with China. <laughs> that hurts Perfect. me. We just filled the plot hole. <laughs> Jonathan, that hurts. <laughs> Anyway, my point is, I don't know why she wants to go back. <laughs> well, for most of this, it's like, why does anybody want to do anything in this movie? True, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Was that actually the point? No, I'm sorry, I wonder. <laughs> I don't think so. I just made that up on the fly. I don't I think not. that was actually the plot. The point. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> like she trades and understands the values the value of things also at the end after they beat like the Jabberwocky and the head rolls down the stairs for an agonizing long time <laughs> um, it rolls down every single stair yeah. <laughs> down the spiral staircase and never once falls off the side there's no banisters on those stairs it, <laughs> it should have fallen over the side <laughs> yeah and then like they banish the queen and the knave, and the knave's like, I'd rather die, I guess. <laughs> I was okay with her until now. Yeah. He was okay with her when he thought he could get something from her. Yeah. I was okay with her when I thought she was the winning queen for some reason. Yeah. And then, and so then you, like, she's screaming, he tried to kill me. They're being dragged off. And then immediately you just smash cut and... The Mad Hatter screams out whatever the name of that dance is. I forget the, the name. Whacking. Yeah, and then it just Kalu, like this jazz, the jazz music starts playing. And you're like, what a tonal shift! <laughs> I hate the Futterwhacking, and I never want to. I never want to talk about it because it hurts me. <laughs> it's a bit anticlimactic. The, the weird thing is, I thought I remembered loving that scene, and I watched it this time. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> It's like you hardly even see it. Like this dance was built up to be this awesome thing. And I thought I remembered it being this awesome scene. But it's like they keep cutting away from him. And then when you do see him, well, it's shit, like his head is spinning around and his torso is spinning around. And it's like, this is biologically impossible. And then it's just the characters are like, yay, people died. They won. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't either. I hate the Futterwacken. And then they decide that the, that that's not enough. We didn't suffer enough. We've got to see Alice attempt it later. <laughs> <laughs> that was another thing that was baffling to me. It was like, why did she s just suddenly start dancing like, she's like oh, I'll and show one you. more thing. One more thing. It was the dab before the dab. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, all right, now that I've proven myself to be a suitable business partner. Yeah. Let's, let's get talking. I obviously can't dance, so this is the only thing I, that... Now, now that every time I watch this, I'm just going to think she's dabbing on the haters. <laughs> Pretty much. They're all like, ooh. <laughs> was she, like, showing off that she was against stockings? 
You have no, like I said, I have no idea what that was. That was the most baffling scene in the whole movie. Like, why did she suddenly start dancing? It doesn't make any sense. It makes her look unhinged. Because <laughs> at least the Hatter, like, okay, whatever. He's in Wonderland. The Wonderlandians know what it is. Alice, like, when she does it, it's all, you know, it's all English people. They don't know what the hell she's doing. <laughs> and then she's like, yes, now down to business. I'd be like, if I was, uh, what's his name? Lord something? Lord Ascot, I believe. Yeah, I'd Which be like. Which is a weird name. Yeah, I'd be like, I think something's wrong here and you need some help. I feel like, are you having a mental breakdown? <laughs> like, you, you don't have to marry my son, but what's going on? <laughs> yeah, and she's. She just had said, I hit my head. And you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they should have been like, uh, do we need to take her to the hospital? <laughs> yeah. She did say she hit her head. And then does says all these things and does a crazy dance. And then <laughs> let's get down to business. And it's like, <laughs> no, you need to be checked by a doctor, please. <laughs> the thing that really annoys me about the businesswoman thing at the end is I wish that it was alluded to more throughout the movie as part of her character Mm -hmm. development, like part of her journey. It does seem to come out of nowhere. Yeah. And I I feel like even, okay, like, yeah, it's a war story, so you're not going to see her exactly do business, but I feel like you could just, they could at least show her being resourceful or Mm -hmm. good leadership skills or something. Yeah. Um, Or like um, when she's talking to Mad Hatter about his hat, she's just like, oh, you know, you can make a business. She could talk a bit about her dreams. Like, this is amazing. I have dreams, too. My dad inspired me. Yeah, you know, yeah, that would have been the perfect opportunity for it. And there's just nothing. Yeah. (laughs) And um, so it feels really out of the blue. And it's kind of like, it feels like it's just like you're supposed to be like, yay, strong female character. But I, I don't know. Maybe people say like, oh, you probably have some integ- integral misogynistic thing. I can't speak. <laughs> internalized <laughs> misogyny. Yeah, internalized misogyny, where it's like you just don't like strong women characters in movies. And it's like, no, I. the whole point of this movie is that she's not Alice and then she becomes Alice for se- somehow, which we didn't even cover what that means. What does that mean? Muchness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but what is muchness? Got some muchness. <laughs> It's, it's she, a Wonderlandian trait. For her. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't understand what the muchness was supposed to be. She always looks dead inside. And like, she, <laughs> she believes it's a dream the whole time. It was quirky. And, <laughs> quirky. <laughs> like, anyway, it, so I, I'm just like, if you're going to make a story about a character's eternal journey, you can argue that maybe she's been depressed by grief from her father dying she feels oppressed by her mother's wishes you could argue that stuff but i don't know i just i need something in the middle you can't just give me that beginning nothing in between and then give me the ending i need yeah i need i need the path and i don't feel like i got it it's so weird because now obviously you know when you're actually making the movie you know i could just say oh just do this and it's fixed but obviously that's not how it works but like I feel like if just like the whole point more of Alice being in Wonderland is she's running away from all the res- responsibilities and stuff. 
because at the end she's like the Mad Hatter's like you could always stay and she's like no I have to do this but that makes no sense in that movie and if it's like she's kind of like oh, I've run away Wonderland is better even though it's at war and maybe all the other characters are like oh yeah we're all gonna just ignore the war going on but then they all have to like come to the realization you know you have to stand up for yourself or take initiative sometime and then that's like it kind of works that would be interesting because that, that that would you're right that is kind of a moral that works like you can't ignore your responsibilities but that's not what happens yeah <laughs> yeah how is it that we're coming up with better ideas than what they did <laughs> and they got all the money <laughs> because because hollywood because our names aren't tim burton <laughs> <laughs> I do think if this movie had come out and Tim Burton was an unknown, I don't think anybody would have cared about it. Probably not. Probably just would have been like, well, that was a movie. It probably wouldn't have been made. Yeah, to be honest. No, it wouldn't. It, well, actually, it wouldn't have been made because I, I feel like he was forced to do it. So well, if, if he really didn't do any of the designs and it was just people kind of mimicking his style, then he really was just kind of brought on to be the name behind the movie. Yeah. Yeah, because... He made, I think he struck a deal with Disney to make two movies, but he made this in Frankie Weenie. And I think Frank and Weenie was the was movie this he part actually of that wanted. Deal? Because yeah. that makes sense, because Frank and Weenie was a passion project. That's one he wanted to do. So I could see him yeah. being doing this out of obligation just to be able to make what he really wanted. He sounds, it's been ages, but he sounded like so disengaged in the interviews I saw. I think I read somewhere he's like, I didn't have an emotional connection to the original story. And you're just like, oh, oh yeah, he said that directly. Yeah. And you're like, well, then uh, don't make this movie. <laughs> this, this is the problem. I feel like it's very much kind of a Walt Disney kind of thing, too, where it's like everyone's yeah. like, well, you have to make a, you have to make an Alice. Like, you know, you have this unique style with it and you have to, you know, and then he's just like, oh, well, this, okay. And then he yeah. hands it off to his team of animators because he he does he can't find it in himself to care anymore. Yeah, I, I feel like this very much just happened with Tim Burton, except he had to direct it. He was like, "Yeah, just throw Johnny Depp in there. I'm sure I've made a few movies with him. He can do something. I'm sure." Yeah, people will pay just to watch him. Yeah, <laughs> the Tumblr girls. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> the Tumblr girls did really like Johnny Depp. I can tell you that. And the more people are surprised, like, oh, he's not going to be involved in the sequel. And it's like, no, of course not. He didn't want to be there in the first place. Yeah. So he didn't do anything on the sequel? Nothing. Just, huh. yeah. Just, I don't just know why I, I thought he did. Nope. He didn't direct it. It was James Bobbin? He did the the new Muppet movie. I forgot, I forgot what's name. With, with Walter, the new puppet. It was oh, just called The Muppets. The Muppets. The Muppets, yeah. What an awful name. <laughs> That's but, what um, I thought. <laughs> yeah, not very descriptive. But and then they went and named a TV show The Muppets as well. I was so annoyed by that. Even though yeah. I loved The Muppets. <laughs> and I did, and I, I liked all the projects well enough, but like I was so annoyed by the names. Well, it makes it difficult to talk about them. Yes, the it does. Fashion. But anyway, so he directed that movie. And so I, I, it comes out pretty different, and I think that's part of why, uh, because it was a different director, and he seemed to actually care a bit more, in my opinion. But you know, maybe yeah. that's just 
I wanted something so different from the original, which I did get. So I, I look at it upon it favorably. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have anything else to say about uh, this movie. <laughs> well, I guess I have one more thing to say. And it's probably going to be something that you'll hate. Oh, no. I liked the Avril Lavigne song over the credits. <laughs> oh, actually, Guilty Confession time. Yeah, I do too. Oh, good. We have one agreement. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you ever get the Almost Alice album? I, I listened to that thing to death. I loved that album. <laughs> yeah, I have that album as a teenager. And even though I hated the movie, I, I still love the album. So, it, yeah, it's very nostalgic for me. Yeah, that was, yeah, I think I liked the album more than I liked the movie. <laughs> I listened uh, to it so much. Definitely the case for me. <laughs> I like the album way more than I like the movie. I will say that that song probably doesn't really fit the movie very well. But oh no, whatever. it does not fit. But I yeah. still liked it. <laughs> yeah. That's that. This whole the whole project is such a, a contradiction because there's like it's not a good movie, but I. I still like it for some reason. I can't explain it. There's so much in it that doesn't make sense. But then there's this thing over here that I really like. And it's just like, none of this is good per se, but I still like it for some reason. I don't know. (laughs) Well, um, in a way, I think it's good that you liked it because um, if if this discussion had just been me, it just would have been a complete hate. And I don't know about other people, but I... I don't normally like listening to that. I say after saying I hated everything. Well, that's that's why I don't like Cinema Sins, and I I don't that yeah. I didn't want to be Cinema Sins. So yeah, yeah. I don't like people like just listening to people complain. But yeah, it's like I hope I provided some at least interesting perspectives. Oh yeah. Um, but I will say, if people like this movie, if it makes you happy, great. I'm just oh, yeah. going to be off in the corner watching other things, you know, like <laughs> you, can, you can have 73, 72. Um, oh, 72. Yeah, I, okay. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite Alice. Um, and, uh, you know, people don't like that version. That's fine too. Kind of like, do you ever like go out for meals with somebody and uh, you don't like an agreed ingredient? Like maybe you don't like olives or something, but the person you're with loves olives. You're like, can you, you want my olives? And they're like, heck yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like that, you know? So uh, I'll give all the Burton to you, Jonathan. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. This is, like I said, it's, this is nowhere near like the favorite Alice. There's way better ones than this, but I don't know. There's just something about this one that I like, even though it's definitely not a good Alice adaptation at all. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I don't like to think of it as an Alice adaptation. I, I think automatically you're setting it up for failure then. No, describing it as fan fiction works way better. <laughs> it really does. I, I actually might enjoy it more looking at it as bad fan fiction because I love bad fan fiction. <laughs> that's a hobby this is of just, mine. This is just yes. bad fan fiction that somebody actually gave a budget to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Well, I suppose we probably could end this here i don't think i have much more to say about this version but we will be back next week because we're going to be talking about the sequel that will be interesting i don't think i've watched it since i watched it in the theater even though i'm pretty sure i bought it i think i've got the (laughs) blu-ray around here somewhere i I don't think i ever watched it (laughs) i think this will be the third or fourth time i'll have watched it which is weird because i like it more but 
Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how I feel on this rewatch. Cause I remember liking it well enough in the theater, but thinking that it was not close to the book at all. Like not even, Oh no, not even really inspired by the book. It was like, they took a couple very basic ideas and then just went in a whole different direction with everything. So it'll be interesting to see how I feel this time. I mean, that's kind of what they do in the first one. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, anyways, until next time, do you guys want to let people know where they can find you, Jenna? Oh, um, I'm Phantomize on YouTube. I'm also love hyphen gift of a fairy tale on YouTube as well, where I'm uploading finally the rare uh, 70s anime, all the episodes of it, if you want to check that out. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> okay. And Katie? And I'm Katie Draws Things on Instagram and Twitter. But that might be a little bit of a false advertisement as I forget to <laughs> update my social media. Yay! Same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only thing that I update these days is YouTube and Instagram when I advertise a new episode. <laughs> I should change it to Katie talks about that new animated trailer. <laughs> Whenever a new animated trailer, I'm like, hey guys, look at this. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next week. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. Hopefully uh, it won't be such a Debbie Downer for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a balance. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Every Version Ever. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to the Every Version Ever YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well. Any relevant links will be in the description for easy access. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Come along and pass through the looking glass into Wonderland.